Hello, and welcome to the Political Futures Podcast. I'm Kerwin Swint. I'm the Director of the School of Government and International Affairs at Kennesaw State University in Atlanta. This podcast comes to you directly from the campus of Kennesaw State, where I'm a political science professor. I've written several books on American politics. The best known is probably Mudslingers, the 25 Dirtiest Political Campaigns of All Time, which is badly in need of updating, by the way. And I'm also a political commentator, observer, and something of a political historian. So why a podcast and why this podcast? Actually, people have been after me to do a podcast for a while now. I write political commentary, I talk to national and local media, and I speak to community and civic groups. So a podcast is a great idea, especially in a crazy political year like the one we're having. So the Political Futures podcast is something I'll do either weekly or bi-weekly so we can follow the campaign and other political issues and just have some great conversations. The name Political Futures is intentional. The idea is to really get into the political issues of the day and talk about how we got here and what it all means going forward. So my very first guest for my very first podcast is a colleague and good friend of mine, Dr. Jeff DeWitt. Jeff is a political science professor like me, and he and I fall into the same general fields of study, for example, political campaigns, mass media, and political communication. Thanks for joining me today, Jeff. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, yesterday was Super Tuesday, and Mm -hmm. what a super day it turned out to be, at least if your name is Joe Biden. I tell you, I have never seen such a political turnaround and a quick turnaround in someone's political fortunes as Joe Biden has experienced all in less than a week. Only 10 days ago, his campaign seemed to be on life support, and then boom. So Jeff, Dr. DeWitt, how do you see it? Um, I would agree. Um, I think the uh, turnaround, um, which we is, is unlike we've ever seen. And, um, you know, political life comes at us fast here when we're looking at American elections. And um, I don't uh, recall having ever seen this um, this dramatic a, uh, a, a shift um, as things have unfolded over the course of the past week, really. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, Biden was seen as the uh, odds-on favorite, the front runner um, through the past year up until um, the debate season kicked off. And then, um, uh, you know, maybe uh, voters were um, assessing his sort of qualities, um, especially to compete against Trump, and um, they sort of shopped around with other candidates, and now we, it seems like we've ended up uh, back with the, um, the, the um, choices, you know, the choice between um, Biden and Bernie, as maybe we had always expected. And that's not um, unexpected at all, given that Bernie was the uh, runner-up of course, in uh, 2016. So it's fairly common for the um, the runner-up to uh, be competitive the next election cycle. Yeah, he's got the name ID for one thing. Mm-hmm. So what has happened in the last 10 days? I mean, one big thing, uh, obviously, was the endorsement by James Clyburn of mm-hmm. South Carolina. He's the third-ranking Democrat in the House, uh, African-American leader in South right. Carolina. Obviously, that was a, a big deal. Uh, and, and there are several other things you could point to, but you know what? What do you think are some of the things that explain this this incredible turnaround? Well, <clears throat> I think the timing of that endorsement, obviously, after um, it's uh, was really interesting to watch. I mean, people were um, were suggesting that Biden just wasn't up to the task um, after you know per- his performance in in Iowa, placing fourth, and then uh, fifth in New Hampshire, 
and uh, people and then in Nevada, a distant second, and uh, people are already, um, you know, asking when maybe it was time for him to move along. And so I think um, with South Carolina uh, coming up and Clyburn's endorsement and then um, the, the um, dramatic impact that had and the, um, the African-American turnout, which comprises such, a, um, such an important um, uh, part of the uh, Democratic base, and uh, the 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 ads um, which which Biden was was running there in South Carolina, and the endorsements that he got from others as well, um, I think that really served as as a catalyst to sort of catapult him uh, moving forward here in a Super Tuesday, and that's what we witnessed yesterday. Yeah, let's talk about that in a minute because Biden was expected to do well in the Southern mm -hmm. primaries because of his strength with the African American vote. So mm -hmm. we knew he was going to do well on states like South Carolina right. and Tennessee, for example. Um, but he also did well in states like Massachusetts, mm -hmm. Minnesota, Maine, mm -hmm. and I think we can all agree those are not southern states. Right, right. <laughs> uh, so, you know, his appeal, at least in the Democratic Party, uh, I think, you know, uh, looking at Super Tuesday goes beyond just mm -hmm. the strength in the African-American community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, th I think we see that, um, you know, turnout um, increased um, by um, looking at these numbers, um, this uh, Super Tuesday relative to four years ago. And um, people were expecting, you know, as Bernie was um, looking to um, appeal to young voters, new voters who hadn't participated before. But it seems that uh, really most of this participation we saw was among those um, who live in the suburbs and uh, those who are anxious and worried and, and scared about America's future. And they saw, you know, Biden as a, as a good, safe choice um, for that. And yeah, I, I think um, the fact that Biden was competitive in the in the Northeast um, and winning Massachusetts and um, also Maine, although the votes are still being tallied there. Um, in, in addition, um, it, even in Vermont, um, where we see that, um, you know, he, he uh, won some delegates out of uh, Bernie's home state. And I, th I think a lot of this is also um, attributable to the um, idea that is uh, Bernie never really seems that he hasn't really worked to expand his base beyond what he had secured in 2016. I mean, effectively, he's been running for president now for four years. Yeah. And, um, you know, by, by most of the numbers, looking at these, uh, these, these state vote tallies, um, the percentage of support he got is, is actually down um, relative to 2016. So Biden got this incredible turnaround, but you know, around the same time, or just before the South Carolina primary, Bernie Sanders was under increased scrutiny. Mm -hmm. And a couple of things happened, uh, one of which was he did that now notorious 60 Minutes interview where he seemed to say good things about Fidel Castro in right. Cuba. Um, and, and so goodbye Florida primary, but also a lot of Democrats, uh, Democratic voters said, well, wait a minute. I mean, if he's going to be this mm -hmm. far left, this socialist, you know, I'm reminded a little bit of 1992 when Bill Clinton mm -hmm. and California Governor Jerry Brown, I guess he was former mm -hmm. governor at that time, were slugging it out for the Democratic nomination. And one Democratic Party bigwig said, you know, us Democrats... We'll shoot each other in our foot on mm -hmm. occasion, but we're not going to shoot ourselves in the head right. by nominating right. Jerry Brown. So, you know, Bernie Sanders may have some of that Jerry Brown effect, mm -hmm. you know, that he just looks unelectable mm -hmm. to a lot of Democrats. Um, the other thing that happened was Bloomberg comes on the scene, right. and he has his first debate, which was very consequential. Mm -hmm. uh, he did awful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Elizabeth Warren really went after him, and sure. you know he just looked like an awful candidate. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of Democratic voters said, "Well, you know, Bloomberg may not be the, mm -hmm. the white horse, the right. white knight we thought he was." 
Yeah, as a sort of uh, safety candidate uh, if Biden didn't pan out. And I think that was the role that Bloomberg um, saw himself in. Um, but I believe there was a poll that was released just uh, prior to that Nevada debate, and um, which allowed him to qualify for that debate, which then allowed yeah. for Elizabeth Warren to effectively take him out. Um, and uh, so things would have looked quite a bit different if uh, not, not for that. Um, and so, yeah, moving forward, you know, it, it seems that I, I think uh, you're right. That is, um, you know, which is um, in character for uh, Bernie. That is, you know, he's he's very um, dedicated and and um, he's got a measure of um, sort of um, integrity in the fact that um, you know he's authentic and he is who he is and has been um, you know uh, talking the same uh, talking about the issues in the same way now for for 40 years and why change now. Uh, the cost of that, however, is that um, people are going to see that and say that's not really what we need now. And, and um, you know, as these uh, suburban um, women in particular are, they're not interested in revolution. You know, they're interested in, in a safe uh, uh, choice and, and security and uh, calmness. And I think um, Biden um, offers them that option. Yeah, and you think about Michael Bloomberg, uh, the whole Bloomberg experience, mm -hmm. and he spent, uh, what, half a billion dollars. Right. Uh, and one thing it shows you is that uh, we have yet to have a candidate in the in the modern primary age, you know, who has started this late right. and ended up being competitive. You know, so he's yeah. yet another example. Uh, mm -hmm. You just can't do that, or it's very right. hard to do that. Um, and so, you know... Uh, him pulling out really gives Biden a, a clear shot. You know, Biden did so well in the South mm -hmm. Carolina primary. I think mm -hmm. a lot of it has to do with exceeding expectations, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the expectations game, which is largely set by the media, but yes. also by voters, right. is huge, you mm -hmm. know. And so Biden was countered out um, by a lot of people, but was expected to win South Carolina, mm -hmm. but maybe narrowly. He right. won it by such a large margin. Right. That really got everyone's attention. And they said, okay, you yep. know, this is this must be it, right? right? So Buttigieg drops out, uh, Klobuchar drops out. And both endorsing uh, Both Biden. endorsing Joe Biden. And, now uh, Bloomberg has endorsed Joe Biden. So Yeah, uh, getting on the endorsement bandwagon. And Beto there in, in Texas, yeah, so a big rally. And, um, yeah, it was interesting to see, um, yeah, uh, half a billion dollars um, spent um, to... I think I saw where um, his ad spending in the Super uh, Tuesday states, Bloomberg's, uh, spent almost $200 million wow. um, to earn 18 delegates. Yeah. And so, um, on the other hand, Biden spent $2.1 million only and 400 delegates. So, um, you know, that, uh, that tells you that, uh, you know, certainly, you know, money can't buy uh, delegates, at least, um, uh, you know, that wasn't borne out this election cycle. Yeah, so Bloomberg's spending now rivals, I guess, Jeb Bush's mm -hmm. spending in right. 2016 as far as cost per delegate. Well, I think he's not done spending that yet, though. Yeah. Um, he's true. just going to shift his sights. Um, and um, from what I've seen, it won't uh, take much, really, to sort of recalibrate his uh, campaign operation more to a, um, a super PAC sort of style operation where, um, you know, he takes uh, on Trump directly. And um, it, frankly, Biden could use the support. Um, you know, he hasn't had a lot of resources to draw from to, uh, um, you know, um, fuel an organization and to run many ads. And in fact, he didn't have ads up in many of these Super Tuesday states. I don't and think so, he advertised in Massachusetts at all. Yeah, and still he didn't. won there. Still won. And, and uh, I think he only had, he had field offices in, 
in maybe only half of these uh, Super Tuesday states. So he didn't have much of an operation. And so if he can get some support um, from uh, Bloomberg, I think uh, he, he, would, he would accept that if it's um, all for the purpose of taking out Trump in November. Yeah, and that's the common goal. Bloomberg's already said that, you know, look, I can help Joe Biden where he needs the help, and that is fundraising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. you know, as far as Bloomberg is concerned, if they can take out Trump together, then it's uh, it's money well spent from, from his point of view. So, okay, so Super Tuesday's in their rear view. Mm-hmm. So how do you think it plays out from here? I, I just saw where Karl Rove, the mm-hmm. national, nationally known political operator, right. political commentator, you know, he thinks that Bernie still has a chance. Mm. Um, and he might, but when you look at where we go from right. here, um, you know, March 10th, there are six more primaries, um, Michigan, Mississippi, mm-hmm. Missouri, Washington, North Dakota. I mean, you look at states like Michigan and Mississippi, I mean, I think, uh, I would say Biden's going to destroy yes, right, Sanders right. in Michigan and Mississippi, um, and, and probably Missouri too. Sanders might have a chance in Washington, because I'm mm-hmm. on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, then that's followed up with uh, additional primaries. Yeah, yeah. Ohio and Florida coming up the next week. March 17th, yeah. Arizona, Florida. I mean, Bernie's going to be crushed in Florida. Illinois, right. He's going to be crushed in Illinois. He's probably going to be crushed in Ohio Mm -hmm. by Biden. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know what Karl Rove is thinking here. I mean, to me, it looks like there's not much to I think that's wishful thinking. Um, And I think a lot of... uh, Republicans are hoping to see a prolonged, uh, contested, you know, conflicted uh, primary process play out, such as we saw in, in 2008. Um, but, yeah, I mean, these are states which, um, you know, which, which Hillary Clinton, Clinton won um, uh, four years ago, and you would imagine that they would be more uh, friendly to uh, Biden uh, uh, moving forward, and um, especially Ohio and obviously Pennsylvania and Illinois and New York, Florida. Um, so, um, I I don't. On the other hand, I don't see um, Bernie getting out. Uh, you know, he's got a message. He's got a, a very loyal following. He's got a lot of en- energy and enthusiasm among those followers. Yeah, he'll it, take it all the way to the convention. He will. I'm I think sure. he'll take yeah. it all the way. Yeah. And interesting, though, um, I don't know if you saw this morning. He came out with an ad um, where he embraces o- Obama mm-hmm. and um, talks about them as being uh, political partners and the things that they accomplished and. Um, had uh, images and video of, of the two of them as if they were, uh, you know, hmm. uh, partners in this. And, and too little, too late, maybe. Too little, too late, <laughs> and, and, and also seemed to be counter-message uh, from what, um, you know, his sort of anti-establishment uh, rhetoric and messaging, um, which he's been working with thus far. Um, and, in fact, you know, he sent out the, the, the tweet, which I think also served to alienate some sort of moderate um, uh, voters and talking about, you know, it can't be stopped by the establishment. And we're not really sure exactly what the establishment is. I mean, you've got voters turning out, at, uh, going to the polls. Um, but um, so. Uh, they probably define it as the DNC, the DNC. Democratic National mm-hmm. Committee. Um, yeah, I mean, Bernie's not going to give up. Right. But it doesn't look like that we're going to get this mythical contested convention that in, in 2016, you yeah. know, got all this attention when it looked like Trump mm-hmm. may not get a majority of delegates, but but he did. Yes. Uh, and it looks like Biden probably will as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, we haven't had a contested convention in the modern primary age. Um, it came close in 1984, I believe, and um, between uh, Hart and Mondale. And um, I think at that point, um, Hart was looking to peel off some of Mondale's um, African-American delegates and encourage them to support Jesse Jackson. 
Uh, but yeah, we, we haven't seen one, I guess, since 1952, 52, yeah. um, though 76 maybe on the Republican side. And, and uh, you know, obviously now that you're down to these, um, really a choice between um, these two and, and a lot, you know, so that the field is basically cleared for the two. And so therefore making it less likely we'll see a contested convention. So I'd be kind of surprised if Elizabeth Warren doesn't drop out soon. Right. I mean, she has absolutely no rationale left yeah. to remain a candidate unless she just wants to you know, stick it to Bernie, yeah. you know, for, for the, uh, you know, controversies they've had in the campaign. But, and coming in third in your home state, yeah, uh, um, I, I don't know how you move forward uh, beyond that and having not won um, any contests up this point. And so there are questions about if she does drop out, um, what might happen to her supporters and um, ideologically, you know, she's more aligned with, with Bernie, um, you could imagine. However, um, you know, it, I've seen polls which show that uh, Warren supporters are more inclined to support, you know, solidarity, and they appreciate practicality, um, less so the sort of revolution that, um, that, that Bernie might be proposing. So it, I don't think it'd be a clean break, um, that is, most of them going for Bernie. I think it'd be more of a maybe 60-40 or, um, yeah, so, so. So the Georgia primary is coming mm -hmm. up, March 24th. What do you think this means for the Georgia Democratic presidential primary? Yeah, um, I think uh, Biden will be the odds-on favorite. Um, just, um, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen any polls. I was, I was looking, although I did see a um, horse race poll looking at um, both of these two versus Trump in the upcoming, um, it was just released today. Mm -hmm. University of Georgia showed that um, both, both Biden and Bernie were um, going to uh, face an uphill battle, maybe, you know, uh, Biden down by like eight points to Trump. Um, but as far as the, the, the primary on the 24th here, I, I see um, Biden as the odds on favorite. Um, and, um, you know, they've got a lot, we got a sizable African-American um, base here uh, uh, who vote um, dependably Democratic and um, will likely um, push the button for, for Biden. Um, but... Um, yeah. Could be a landslide. I mean, Could if be. you look at the Georgia Democratic primary electorate, mm -hmm. it looks a lot like South Carolina or Alabama, yes. you, know, yes. uh, you know, large uh, African-American population. Um, so it could be a big win for, for Biden, uh, which is interesting because the Georgia primary is really the only primary in the nation that day, mm -hmm. uh, on the Democratic side at least. And uh, in Georgia, they decided not to go with Super Tuesday this mm -hmm. time. They wanted to put some distance between mm -hmm. Super Tuesday and, and the state of Georgia, I think thinking right. that, well, maybe Georgia would be featured more right. if they weren't in a crowded field. But, uh, you know, ironically, it, 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 there may not be any drama right. uh, in the Georgia primary if we think Biden's going to win big. And, and probably Especially will. after this series of contests with these uh, bigger states with uh, many delegates already, you yeah. know, will have been determined and this sort of so-called aura of inevitability uh, might have set in. And so it's just a question of when, um, um, Biden would earn enough delegates to secure the nomination. And they did change the rules, um, you know, so 1991 is the number of, of delegates you need um, as a majority to uh, be um, uh, the, the actual nominee. And, you know, the superdelegates aren't going to play a role until the second ballot if there is one. Um, and, um, you know, and so we were all looking forward to that and seeing, well, you know, if you do have contested um, broker convention, how that'll play out, and that seems less likely, which, you know, I think the party's happy about, maybe us as uh, political observers, um, you know, we might, sure. <laughs> it might be an interesting sort of case be study. Exotic and, and uh, you know, different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. 
Yeah. So so moving forward, then um, you know you look at the general election, how that shapes up. Um, the states that uh, that Biden did so well in on Super Tuesday, mm-hmm. the southern states, you have to think that most of those will probably go to Donald Trump. Um, you know, and and Biden is someone that Donald Trump has said that he would love to run again. Of course, he'll say that right. about anyone, really. Right. Um, so, I guess one thing to look at is assuming Biden is going mm-hmm. to be the nominee, mm-hmm. then uh, how difficult do you think it'll be for the Democratic coalitions to come back together? Um, you know, Bernie's supporters right. are famously loyal and famously, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe a little bit defensive, yes. uh, you know, protection, uh, protectionist of Bernie. So do they stay home? Uh, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of people think that, well, a lot of Bernie voters either stayed home in 2016 or actually voted for Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the risk of that? There's a big risk, um, obviously, depending on how long um, this contest is, is prolonged. Um, actually, uh, published an article that looked at uh, 2008. Um, an academic article, and it showed that um, given that uh, contested primary process in the Democratic Party, it took longer to unify the party, and many of those um, at the time uh, Hillary Clinton supporters never even came came around and uh, supported Obama in the general election. Uh, but one would think that um, the Democratic Party would still be, be, be happy um, with a Biden candidacy um, because he could compete um, in those southern states. Um, Virginia and North Carolina, I think, um, would uh, be pretty solid, um, uh, or at least uh, Virginia more solid, um, North Carolina at least competitive. Um, don't think we're quite there in Georgia yet, though. But um, in the in the Midwest, um, Michigan, Ohio, maybe Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Minnesota, which he won, um, could be competitive. And so it's not the top of the ticket only, but it's also uh, congressional races where um, these uh, swing districts, which flipped blue in 2018, I think a lot of these candidates and their supporters were you know, concerned that um, with Bernie at the top of the ticket, that might serve to um, uh, you know, suppress turnout or, or maybe um, run the risk of flipping it back in the other yeah, direction. Yeah, I think again. that was another thing that hurt Bernie was the uh, congressional candidates mm-hmm. who said, you know, he's going to kill us right, you know, in, right. in November with us. So uh, you're right, the Midwestern states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, I mean, that's where it's at, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I always thought the nominee would be Biden, even though mm-hmm. it looked like right. he was dead a couple of weeks ago. Just because he's the only candidate that makes sense. I yes. mean, because Biden is the the only Democrat, I mm-hmm. think, who could run against an incumbent president and with Biden's history of, of union support, right. do well in a state like Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. uh, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So he's competitive there in a way, I think, that, that Bernie would not be or Elizabeth mm-hmm. Warren would not be. Uh, so I always thought Biden just made the most sense. Yeah. yeah. And that said, he does have, um, he needs to shore up um, support among young people, especially um, as we look at this sort of generational divide. Um, and um, y- young people, those um, 18 to 29 year olds, um, weren't enthusiastic about supporting uh, Biden based on the uh, exit polls from yesterday. Right. I think I saw in California that um, even in the single digits, maybe only 5% of young voters um, uh, were, were in for Biden. So, you know, I think he'd have to uh, figure out a way to uh, better appeal to younger voters. An obvious way to do that might be to, uh, you know, pick a running mate um, who could um, uh, address some of the issues that young people care about and uh, speak to young people in the way that they you know, yeah. would resonate. The veep stakes, that's the yeah, next yeah. big right, thing the media right. will, will start to cover. You're right about young people, uh, too, though, and uh, it'll be a challenge for Biden to just, in general, generate excitement right, about right. his candidacy. Mm-hmm. 
And if, you know, if, if Trump is still writing a, uh, you know, a strong economy, it'll be even harder for, will, you know, yeah. to take out an incumbent president. That's really hard to do unless you have a recession mm-hmm. or, or something major. So, yeah, I mean, it's fascinating times. Uh, there, there's a lot that's going to happen mm-hmm. between now and, and November. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be fun to watch. Yes, it will. It will. Well, Dr. Dua, thanks so much for joining me. Thank uh, you. This has been a blast. Yeah, I've enjoyed uh, it. Yeah. We'll, uh, Thank we'll, you for inviting me on your inaugural uh, hey, podcast. My pleasure. We'll talk again. Okay, very good. Thanks, everyone. Hope you'll join us in the future for the Political Futures Podcast. Bye for now.